pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 169. Today I'm going to chat with Mike Jones from Primal Canine, discuss ATF leaders already working with Biden to restrict gun rights, highlight a new magazine from X-Tech Tactical, and talk about an unexpected like from Pope Francis's Instagram account. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and Mike Jones in the house. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Do you get confused with the rapper Mike Jones all the time? Yeah, it's pretty much on a daily basis. I can't tell you how many times we've gone through airports or just restaurants and someone reads the name on the card and all of a sudden hears, who? And I'm like, oh, God. Right? <laughs> That's exactly what I thought. The minute I see your full name, Mike Jones, you automatically think that song. But anyways, uh, <laughs> moving forward, Smith & Wesson. Guys, if you follow me on YouTube, check out my, well, it should be up actually by the time this comes out. If it isn't, it will be in the next day or two by Tuesday or Wednesday. But I just reviewed the new Smith & Wesson M&P M2.0 Optic Ready Compact Pistol. And if you haven't already heard, Optic Ready Pistols are pretty much all the rage right now. Just because they're so much easier to get on target and be accurate with and follow up with your shots. They're making really small compact guns that are optic ready just because obviously they just make more sense. But anyways, check that out. If you guys want to find out more information on that in the meantime, head on over to smith-wesson.com and let's get into it. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, so I'm switching things up a little bit today. You aren't in the firearms industry. You're actually a dog trainer. But I thought that it would be kind of cool to have you on because I have this little dog named Tickles. She's four pounds. And really, I just wanted to have like a one-on-one sesh on how to up her game a little bit, her operator nice. status. So yeah, that's really why. Nice. How old is it, Tickles, again? She's a little over seven years old, but I feel like you can still teach old dogs new tricks, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we, I mean, there's no, I can't even tell you how many phone calls we get. We're like, well, my dog's five. Like, can we still stop this behavior? I'm like, of course. I mean, like, you know, at any point in time, like behavior is behavior. So at any point in, you know, a dog's life, just like the same thing with a person or anything else, you can still condition behavior or, you know, modify behavior. So with a dog like Tickles at uh, seven, I think we're, I think we're good. Okay, cool. Well, I just want to teach her more how to be a killer. She's well behaved, but that's really what I want to do. So hopefully, as I ask questions moving forward, this is going to help me kind of, she's already kind of an operator. She's on Instagram as tech underscore tickles, tacticals. But anyways, for those who don't know Primal Canine, you guys train dogs, but what influenced you to get into this? And then tell us about your company now. So it's a kind of a long story. I started when I was 13 years old. And the way I got started was that I was, I got in a little bit of trouble. I grew up in a fairly rough neighborhood in Eastside San Jose. And my community service was actually going out and working in like shelters and like working with adoptable dogs or rescue dogs and behavioral cases. And then also the area I grew up in, a lot of people just let dogs just kind of run them up, Mm -hmm. like just like running around the streets. Like we'd be riding bikes and dogs are chasing us type of a thing. And I honestly, I kind of, I viewed that as an escape from what my household situation was like. I liked being away from, you know, my house because it was fairly bad times and I was rather more comfortable being around dogs that wanted to kind of either bite us or were misunderstood or anything like that. So I started in rescue and service dog work or just like, you know, helping rehome and rehabilitate. So behavior modification was my first start in anything. And Throughout the years, I mean, life kind of takes its toll and you kind of go in different directions. And I went into like the combat sports uh, world where I was a professional boxer for a little while and then went into pro pro MMA. And I linked up with one of my mentors who does a Schutzen 
And Shutsen is the protection sport that has like the bite sleeve, like, you know, it's the big chunky mm-hmm. sleeve everyone sees, like, you know, what most people think of bite work is. And I linked up with him roughly 16 years ago. And they saw the, you know, the talents or whatever I had from my fighting in life. And I started just getting the protection world. And the thing that a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, dog training is not dog training. Dog training is like, there's so many variants. And like, I'm sure the same thing is like in the gun world and like how you do things and everything like that. But there's, you know, there's the positive reinforcement aspect of it. There's the balance aspect. There's the force training aspect. And then in protection itself, there's different methods and theories. So I went from a, an atmosphere where it's a bunch of people just kind of giving treats to dogs to a, a bunch of people who are just kind of yanking and cranking on dogs. And when I'm yanking and cranking is like, you know, heavy corrections and to you know, get the dog to do things. And I was just like, I was shocked. So I was just like, I was like, I don't, I was like, well, these guys are world level competitors. They fly across the world to do this stuff. Like how, I don't understand when this, they said this was evil. Like, how is this, you know, how is this not like, there was a lot of things going on and still being really young in the dog game. I just was, all right, cool, I'm going to shut up. I'm just going to watch and participate in what I need to participate in and not what I don't want to. And I started slowly learning the differences and everything. And for me, I was just like, well, there's just it's so much this and that. Like I'd rather have it be basically a blend of both. And that way you can create really clear communication because there's in the protection world, you know, we're relying a lot on, you know, the natural genetics but, you know, training is also important. And when you're in, like, you know, the rescue adoption world, a lot of times you're trying to build up a dog who may have had bad handling or not the proper genetics. So the combination of both kind of creates the perfect storm. And that's where I came up with Primal Canine in 2013. And ever since then, it's kind of just exploded. I mean, we are not kind of, it. it's, it's exploded. And with my, I guess, with my reputation and like, you know, just the services that I've learned over the years, I mean, it's, it's, you name it, we train it here now. So we've grown from San Jose. We're out in Gilroy, California now. We have a, you know, nice facility where, you know, everyone can kind of come in and work and we can do anything from your, your typical pet training stuff, which is roughly majority of our business to PTSD service dogs, some medical service dogs, personal protection dogs, a variety of different sports. And we're actually starting our own unification sport called canine street league and that's uh, going to be pulled back by one of the biggest manufacturers in like the industry as well too so there's a lot of different things going on within primal canine itself can you elaborate on the street league what that entails so within dog sports everything is kind of individualized based on what that sport thinks is the best way of doing things right Mm -hmm. and dog training i'm not too sure if anyone who's listening to this and (laughs) knows much about dog training but everyone is right and everyone is wrong and so there's no real like communication of it it's really it's highly opinionated in dog training and my goal um, besides helping all the dogs and everything that we've been doing is to kind of create a unified system of like all right cool like this is the ultimate testing ground but this is also the the normal level of training Mm -hmm. for every dog for example like your pup or like any of the other dogs this is a normal aspect of training that should be done so that's why we started like our Primal Canine University during COVID. And then also um, Street League is that this is going to be kind of like the unification of it. So there's five different elements of it. There's going to be the, our detection side. There's an agility side. There's our protection side. There's obedience side. And there's an environmental side to it. So, and it's actually going to be a professional dog training sport, which has never been done. And what I mean by professional is that like, you know, there's going to be teams that, participants get paid it's gonna be something to where all these people who put hundreds of hours in all the time can actually be compensated for it and they can still participate in the sports that they participate in but this will be a way of just kind of unifying all the sports and all like the the dog training itself together wow that's pretty cool you know one time i signed tickles up for some training at PetSmart when she was really little and basically she was the only one in the class that failed And the thing is, is I didn't care about telling her how to sit or roll over or don't jump. She's four pounds. I don't care if she jumps. I just wanted them to teach me how to teach her how to pee on a pee pad because she's so little that I wasn't going to get up and let her out every five minutes. But yeah, we failed. So (laughs) yeah, it's kind of embarrassing. Good old PetSmart. Yeah, stupid (laughs) PetSmart. And I was just like, you know what? Whatever. 
They said that I could retake the class free of charge for another six weeks. And I was like, I don't have time for that. Tickles needs to learn how to pee on the pee pads now. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the thing with like mainstream dog training, like PetSmart, Petco. I mean, these guys like Petco just made a big statement saying like they're against e-callers and all this. And are they called it shock callers? Mm -hmm. And PetSmart, like, you know, they're thrust in front of like the mass majority of people. Yeah. So the information that's getting put out there is not necessarily the correct information. It's just what the mass majority of information needs to go out. So you get these, and I've trained many of trainers from Petco and PetSmart after they leave that place Mm -hmm. because they're not trainers. They just go through the handbook of, well, this is what you do here. This is what you do here. And as you probably know, like, you know, each dog is individually different and they have their own style of learning and understanding. So if they follow a really cookie cutter format that's based on mostly public approval. Yeah. And that's why they focus predominantly on, you know, we're only go we're only using treats. We're only using this stuff where, you know, in real life, you know, life is more of a balance and and dogs live live that life to, you know, the utmost <laughs> proof of that, where they are probably the simplest, most associated based learners out there. You just gotta kinda learn how to communicate with them. Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed on your website, it says that you don't train dogs, you train dog trainers. So I would assume that you teach the owners how to work well with their dogs. Yeah. So, I mean, basically dogs communicate differently than people Mm -hmm. and people have a habit of humanizing dog emotion with human emotion and all that stuff. So what we do is that we just teach the person how to communicate properly with the dog. So essentially we're mediators in a sense. Or like, hey, like, this is how it works. This is how this dog use positive. This is how they view negative. This is how you should do this. This is how you shouldn't do that. And it's always individualized based on the dog and the person's relationship and also the goals. You know, like for like your pup, like, you know, if we're, if we're looking to do like protection training, like, okay, cool. Like, this is the application that we're going to use per your goal and your dog. And it's two different things because the person's goal might not always meet the, de- the dog's genetics and personality. Mm-hmm. It could be to a certain level, but it wouldn't be to, you know, the level that most people have in their mind, or they can have the, the opposite reaction where they want a dog to be, you know, super calm. And then they got this crazy high drive Malinois or Dutch Shepherd or German <laughs> Shepherd. Or, and they're like, well, I wanted, <laughs> I need a pet Malinois. Like, well, th- those don't exist and shouldn't like, that's not what they're used for essentially. Yeah. And you get, you get both aspects of those. Yeah, Definitely. What is the smallest dog that you have trained? Oh, two and a half pound micro Pomeranian named Max. Aw. Did you teach Max how to be a killer? No, I do. Uh, so I did mostly just basic obedience. And despite what people see like online, we don't, we don't really train that many like protection dogs. Yeah. Uh, it's just kind of just what's out there. But 80% of our business is, you know, dogs like that. You know, we've trained tiny little dogs, like little micro Pomeranian Max. You know, that dog's story is that he was poorly bred. He couldn't use his back legs. Uh, so they did a tons of different things with them. And they just wanted him to be able to, like, walk on a leash, have him sit, have him down, do your normal obedience recall. And we did that. But, you know, that family themselves, you know, trains five of their dogs. They're all tiny little Pomeranian dogs. And, you know, she basically goes out, you know, rescues them and takes care of them. Typically, we deal with quite a bit of the small dogs because that's, I mean, for the most part, that's, that's a lot of the issue when it comes to, you know, stuff out here in like California or just in general throughout the country. A lot of dogs are like, they kind of brush it off like, oh, you know, they're tiny, it doesn't matter. And they're, you know, they nail a kid or, you know, something happens and now you're facing a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine, especially in California, you probably have all these little Paris Hilton dogs that people are like, can you train them? <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, it's with so many, so many tiny, so many tiny dogs. You're like, when I got in this industry, I just wanted to train German <laughs> shepherds and manly dogs, not little dogs named Tickles. I actually, <laughs> I actually, I was the exact opposite way when I first got in the industry. Like I was, despite how I look, you know, being big bearded guy with tattoos, I was, yeah, you know, I was more in it for, you know, the tiny dogs, the dogs that are rescued, the dogs that we need to help rehabilitate all that other stuff and then when I got turned on to protection sports that's when like that whole other side kind of switched up was like oh man I was like well this kind of fulfills both needs like I I can do a train dogs and also have a good time you know doing like the adrenaline stuff like where we're 
you know, working with different law enforcement teams or just personal protection or support teams and all this other stuff. So Primal Canada itself has fulfilled uh, both spectrums, I guess, for us. Mm-hmm, definitely. I'm going to take a quick break and talk about SB Tactical real quick. Guys, if you have a pistol that has a 1913 Royal Adapter on it, you should check out the FS1913 brace from SB Tactical. It's personally one of my favorites. I have one on my mini Draco and I love it. It looks really great and the ergonomics of it are really ideal. You can get it in polymer or aluminum. On most pistols, even when folded, the brace does not get in the way of any of the safety or other controls. They're great to add to, such as an MP5, Scorpion Evo, Strybog, MPX, and a ton of others. The folding mechanism locks in the open or closed position, but transitions easily and gives you a good solid support. The polymer version is $199.99, and the aluminum version is $249.99, but use that code GUNFUNNY15, and that gets you 15% off, and that is at sb-tactical.com. Do you think that if a dog, so I had a friend who adopted a dog and they were getting training for the dog, but honestly, I do think that it was more the owners, how they raised the dog and the dog eventually ended up biting the husband and they had to put the dog down, which I felt really bad about because I do think that a lot of times, especially even with breeds, how people say that pit bulls, that's a dangerous breed. I personally don't stand by that. I think that it's ultimately how the dog was raised. What are your thoughts on that? Let's see. Me personally, out of 23 years, or what's it, I'm 36 now, yeah, 23 years of working with dogs, I've recommended euthanization four times. Mm -hmm. And those times where it was a genetic issue, or this dog is just so far gone that he's going to be a liability to your family, anyone that gets him. He's just going to be treated basically locked in a cage. Like that's pretty much what he's going to be like. And that's not a fair life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, me, I, I have pities and I have, you know, a variety of different dogs. And a lot of it is, you know, how you do your foundation work, how you train the dog, how you build that level of communication. Genetics play a big role, but more so people getting dogs that they don't know about and, you know, breed wise, you know, training wise and not having the proper game plan for training, that can be an issue. And that's, that's a huge issue. I mean, we see it all the time. I mean, like we wanted to re rescue this dog from like Korea or China, or we got this dog from this place. And, you know, we only want to use positive reinforcement though, because they've had such a bad life. So that application itself is setting yourself up for disaster because it sounds humanly right like hey like let's help have them have a good life but they also have to understand that whatever relationship that you're creating with that dog is individual compared to what their past is like mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is it's associative based learning so if you get a dog who's been fairly abused once you get that dog back like you can recondition what their behavior is going to be like with you but you can also make sure that you set up uh, proper guidelines or like we just kind of joked about before is that you know, like people who are now buying like Malinois and like all this other like high level, high drive dogs because it looks cool. And like we want to get this dog because it's a protector, but like the amount of hours that you have to put into training these dogs and the amount of management and the amount of understanding of what these dogs actually require is mostly kind of beyond like the human understanding. Like if you're not like a dog trainer or like in the world, then you don't really understand exactly what those dogs need. So I definitely believe that you know, it's one, you know, genetics play a role, but mostly how a person interacts with the dog and trains the dog and the foundation of the dog plays even a bigger role. And even understand at certain points, you know, some dogs are more management cases versus you're going to train this behavior out. You're going to kind of run into some walls with that theory. So, and myself, for us, you know, we just try to prepare and like, that's why, you know, we train dog trainers, not dogs. Uh, that's why we say that it's because essentially we're teaching people the same thing. Like this is how you manage and train that dog. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. What do you usually do to train dogs? So you mentioned that treats isn't always the way to go, which apparently I've already failed tickles because <laughs> get her all the treats. So 
Yeah, so treats are actually, treats are great. Uh, what we do is we create essential value with our dogs and we just kind of provide for them. So every meal, and this is obviously a lot more time intensive when you're a dog owner, especially if, you have, if you're not a dog trainer, dog owner, is, you know, every meal that our dogs predominantly eat is through training. They eat every day, especially when we're dealing with behavioral cases. You know, they train every day. We do like one fasting meal a week. That way it's like better for their organs, considering some of our dogs are on uh, like kibble. And what I mean by that is that, you know, as we're training, they're eating as we go. So we create retainable value. Dogs not only eat through us, but they play with us as well. So we do like tugs and everything. So we're consistently known as the coolest person in the room for our dog. And that's what helps with creating proper behavior, engagement, understanding of relationship. And this can also recondition human understanding. Like basically if a dog's been abused by a person, you know, and they've, you know, let's say they're scared. If they're eating from you, then they know that like, oh, hey, this person's cool. Like I don't got to bite them. He's actually trying to feed me. And like, if we take care of him that way, then we change our relationship with the dog and we change the relationship of the dog in general. So when it comes to using food and treats, like we use food all the time. I mean, if you've probably seen some of our videos, like I'm always wearing like gloves and stuff because I'm predominantly holding like dog food. And I got tired of smelling like dogs roughly four years ago <laughs> uh, or dog food four years ago. So just, I would just start using more and more food just to create that retainable, essential understanding that like, Oh, Hey, like we're cool. Like, I don't have to, like, correct you a bunch of times to stop doing certain things. All you have to do is engage, and this is how you we live. Mm -hmm. So we use their food as a way of creating retainable and essential behavior. Because if you're known as not only the one that gives them the food, spends the time and works with them, but also plays with them and just does tug and everything like that, then you're automatically, you know, the coolest person in the room for them. Yeah, that makes sense. What are your thoughts on the dog training that takes place at some of the jails? where the inmates will train the dogs? I don't know too much about it. I volunteered a couple of times. I'm not sure how much you know about like my past, but like I was incarcerated for a little while. And for me, dogs essentially saved my life in that sense. Mm -hmm. So like, I've always wanted to kind of give back to, you know, that, you know, basically like, all right, cool. Like this is how I know this can work and help save people's lives and create this like future for dogs and for people in general. So I've been wanting to get into that a lot more. The hard things that we've seen with that is it's predominantly the training itself. It's selective. And what I mean by selective is that it means it's like, all right, cool. So like, you're not, we're not saving all these dogs and putting them into like jails and our prisons. We're selecting a few dogs that are going to fit perfectly with this one. And then what happens to the dog or the person after that? That's a different thing. So the style that I've seen trained, I'm not too big of a fan of the style I've seen trained because I don't feel like it's retainable, but I do like that aspect of it. I do like the reforming and like the rehabilitation aspect of it. I do think it, it can play a great role on both sides. I'd like to be more involved if I could possibly be um, just because I know the benefits of it and what it can be done and everything. So I like it, but I don't know too much about because everyone has, everyone has their own style of dog training and there's a variety of different uh, of these programs and each program uses a completely different, there's no standard. So every, each program has a different standard of dog training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. What's the difference between your in-person and online video classes, aside from the obvious? Yeah, we've gotten pretty good at online since COVID started. So all of our guys are actually online myself. When we're doing online training, we can convey the messages properly and convey the directions properly. And then also with our dog training, it's not like we meet once a week either. Even if it's online, you get homework sheets. We we tell all of our clients you have 24-7 trainer assistance. So if at any point in time you have a question, we want you to call us, FaceTime us, you know, do whatever you know you need to do to make sure we can resolve that question. Because dogs will, depend on which environment, you know, will kind of be act different in each individual way or people will forget. Or let's say you can't read one of our handwriting. You might, you might need to give us a call. But as far as differences online and personal, I mean, we can't do specific things like, you know, protection, some bigger behavioral cases. We can't do that stuff. But the big difference is just being in person with us. Mm -hmm. But as far as communicating, we've had pretty good success with it. Yeah. 
In the protection or bite training, I expect one of the things you train dogs to deal with is distractions, including the possibility of gunshots, maybe. How do you mm-hmm. train dogs to handle distractions in situations like that? So we create complete neutrality. And what that means is that we don't create a reaction to that form of stimulus. So let's say gunfire, you know, when we are training our puppies or our dogs, you know, they're typically eating or typically eating when the gunfire is going on mm-hmm. in the beginning, just to create like, oh, it, like I'm eating food. It's a calming thing. You know, gunfire is going off. Like, there's no issue with the gunfire. Like it's obviously a little bit louder depending on the distances in which we are. But, you know, all of our dogs in the beginning, especially the dogs that we breed, they listen to a soundtrack of gunfire, screaming, sirens. They see a bunch of different sounds. You know, we do, because we do, do, we do breed dogs for law enforcement. We do like put the sirens on the sounds, the colors, everything like that comes out there. So the dogs get used to it and become neutral to it because that becomes their life. Mm-hmm. If we're doing it for a dog who we didn't breed or raise uh, and train at an early age, again, we always create neutrality with it. So we're typically working, they're working for their males with their handler. You know, and in the background, we're probably shooting off blanks because, again, we do live we do live in California, and shooting guns here isn't a common thing. So we're you know doing things like that, or playing it to a soundtrack with it. But we just create you know ultimate neutrality when it comes to sport protection work, like a sport called PSA that some of my guys are in, and a street league. You know, there's different accessories like a, a clatter stick that makes a certain noise, a rattle can, tarps, things of that nature. So as we're working obedience and we're doing our normal day-to-day things, you know, there's people in the background, you know, shaking these things around, creating distractions, but we're also just creating neutrality at that, you know, at that sense. And it's, it's all gradually done, but the goal for us is always neutrality. Okay, that makes sense. And typically you would train dogs like this for law enforcement, but are there any ordinary people that want this training done with their dogs? Oh, it's tons. I've had to stop taking on clients when it comes to protection. Just because the sheer amount of like dogs that we get for that stuff. And we've seen a huge influx when they, once the whole, you know, 2020 stuff started happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people who are, we can't get guns in California. So we need to do the dog thing and all this other stuff. So like we're pretty inundated right now when it comes to the amount of protection clients that we get and actual personal protection. So there's, there's a lot of people out there. And then the protection world in general, you know, a lot of these guys are just getting, you know, slammed with orders. And it's harder too, especially with now a lot of us, we import dogs, you know, so it's, you know, having not being able to get dogs from, you know, Ireland or Holland or anything like that has been a bit of an issue too. Hmm. Yeah. It's something I didn't even think about. We waited about two and a half months uh, for three dogs, which should have taken two weeks or a week and a half from the original date that we found the dogs and got them. Wow. That's crazy. Going back to training older dogs. So like I said, Tickle, she's a little over seven years. Oh, one of the things that she really likes to do now, which I'm sure that I'm not the only dog owner out there. This seems to be pretty common practice with dogs, but she likes to go outside and then immediately wants to come back in and then go outside and immediately come back. And I'm just like, okay, it gets to the point where I'm like, that's it. You're not going outside anymore. Or I'll just leave her outside. Obviously it's not <laughs> bad weather. What do you recommend doing to train her out of that? So if you give them the option to come back in, they're going to come back in. Mm-hmm. Like that's just kind of how that stuff works for them. And it's, it sounds super simple, um, but I'll give you an example of we just moved this last week and the place that we moved into, it's it's like on a mountain and our kennel area is separate from like our house area. So when we put the dogs like in the kennel area, they're like, well, I'm going to go back inside, but we know they got to go to the restroom because that's just how, how they are. Mm-hmm. So we've, especially just somehow California decided to start raining this last week. So we came outside and we basically just stand out there until they handle their business and then come back in when we need to, when they're done handling it. But we know the dogs. So like, you know, if you, and it has to be consistent too. So if you're inconsistent in the, the fact of like, all right, cool, I'm going to go inside now. And because of it's, it's uncomfortable, that dog doesn't really associate the weather with I'm going back inside now. It's more of like, oh, hey, she let me in back in this last time. I'm going to try again and try again, again and try again, again until that behavior is pretty much consistently just shut down. 
So like, that's where the consistency comes into play. And like, it, it really is only consistency. I mean, as long as it's safe to be outside and nothing bad's happening out there, or, you know, to give you an example of someone who wants to have a dog go pee in a specific place, you take them to that place, they go pee there. Good job. All right, cool. Right back into our house, kennel crate, whatever, whatever it is that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. And do you have any future plans? I know you said you just moved into a new location. Any other future plans or even recommendations that you can share with listeners? Yeah. So, I mean, we have quite a bit going on in 2021. We are launching Canine Street League, which will be a big unifying sport for all the dog industry, not just protection clients or detection or obedience or pet. It's just going to be the whole thing. We also have a few locations that we are planning on opening in 2021 as well. Uh, Seattle, Colorado, San Mateo County, and Sonoma County. And so we have a few different places that we're going to be operating in and building in. And then just the continuance of uh, our PCU online program and our normal everyday grind. There's definitely a lot uh, to come from Primal Canine in the next, I would say, few months that people will probably be seeing. Awesome. But, uh, my recommendations for everybody who's listening to this who has a dog, just make sure you get your dog trained. Like <laughs> it doesn't matter size, breed, whatever it is you're doing. Just if you need a good dog trainer, you can always, especially with COVID, there's a lot of good dog trainers online doing online sessions and you know, having the ability to talk to people throughout the world. And, you know, even like with us, you know, we've been able to talk to people throughout the world in general. So I mean, there's a lot of good dog trainers out there. And this is I would say this is the perfect time. If you do have a dog to get some really great advice from people that you may have never been able to be in contact with, you know, in the beginning. Yeah, definitely. Where can people find you online? We're primalcanine.com and that's primalcanine spelled out. So C-A-N-I-N-E.com. And then Instagram is predominantly where we're at. It's at primalcanine and same thing, canine spelled out and Facebook. But predominantly we're on Instagram for the most part. All right, cool. All right, moving forward, IWI. Last week, I had a patron who joined the Level 1 Tour Operator course from the IWI Academy in Texas. She loved it. Hats off to Melissa. And I get her credit because she took this class without ever touching a Tavor in her entire life. And in this class, they teach you basically everything, including ballistics, function of the Tavor, cleaning, maintenance, shooting, different positions, reloads, dealing with malfunctions, moving with the gun, just all kinds of stuff. So basically, you'll be like almost an expert by the time you are done with this class. If you don't have a gun like she didn't, you can always just borrow one during the class and Best of all, if you borrow one and then you plan on buying one afterwards, you actually get a pretty good deal on one, which she says that she plans on buying one. It's at the top of her Christmas list, which is great to hear. I'm glad she enjoyed the class. If you want to take this class and they have one coming up early January, so if you're going to be in Florida, you should check it out. You can find information on their website. Also, when you head on over to IWI.us, if you find any accessories or let's say magazines, swags, any of that good stuff. Use the code GUNFUNNY15, you will get 15% off any of those accessories. And again, that is at IWI.us. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Rogue ATF leader is already working with Biden to restrict our rights. In spite of widespread ongoing reports of voter fraud, Biden's team's already working with the ATF to strip away gun rights, even though obviously he hasn't really been declared president yet, contrary to what the media likes to say. As we've talked about this recently, the ATF has been working through secret private letters to individual companies declaring that the guns that they were selling with pistol braces are illegal SBRs. When Q went public with that information, the DOJ stated that they were looking into the issue and the ATF issued a 60-day halt on the cease and desist letter. As I said then, they were just waiting until after the election to proceed with their political agenda. Top of their agenda is to outlaw pistol braces as well as 80% firearms. There are currently millions of pistol braces as well as 80% firearms out there owned by law-abiding American gun owners. 
that they are trying to declare illegal with the stroke of a pen. So if Biden does get into office, they will be able to implement this without any resistance and without any act of Congress, which you're wondering, okay, how could they possibly do this? They will arbitrarily redefine the rules and they won't need Congress to change any laws just like they did when Trump directed them to ban bump stocks. By doing this, they're in direct violation of the rulemaking process. The law states that any proposed rulemaking changes have to be public, which they have not, but still, nobody is doing anything about that. They've been acting in a similar manner to restrict the importation of many firearms as well. 80% firearms, they'll change the rules to say that they're actually firearms and illegal. However, it has always been our right to build our own firearms. There has even been talk that they plan on regulating tools that can be used to build them. Millions of Americans, they've built their own guns for years. The vast majority of them have been used 100% lawfully, and far more guns recovered in crimes were not 80% firearms and were in fact illegally obtained. What should be done about this? In my opinion, President Trump should immediately remove these leaders at ATF that are trying to push this agenda before the results of the election are formally declared. I'm still just trying to figure out how these people haven't been replaced the minute that he became president, but I don't think that guns are really one of his main concerns, unfortunately. So at this point, all we could do is contact your local representatives, try to reach out to the White House and see if we can get these people out of the ATF before Biden takes over. Manicore Arms. If you're looking for parts for an AR-15 build right now, you'll probably realize that a lot of parts are a little scarce. Manahor Arms, however, has their muzzle devices and handguards in stock, though. Their transformer rails come in 9-inch or 15-inch. Transformer rails are one of my favorite handguards out there. They are the most versatile on the market since you can replace those panels and basically add any accessory that you would like to mount to your gun. They also have the afterburner, the eclipse, the shadow flash hiders, the reverb, muzzle brake, and my favorite, which is the night brake. And those things, their muzzle devices are amazing. Honestly, I highly recommend the night brake. It works amazing. Check those out. Tons of other great products at manacorearms.com. And don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15, and that gets you 15% off. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. All right, Q&A. Today's question is, hi, Ava. I am a new listener in California and a new CCW permit holder. Well, congratulations to get a permit, especially in California. Just wanted to ask for your recommendations for holsters. My CCW instructor recommended leggings with a built-in holster from Glock Store but I can't jog without my pants sagging from the weight of my pistol. My current wardrobe doesn't allow for belts, so outside the waistband isn't practical. Do you have experience with any waistband holsters or belly band holsters that you would recommend? For one, I don't really run, but I do go hiking and stuff pretty often. I have a lot of friends that are avid runners and they carry while running. In my opinion, belly bands, it depends. I think personally, you have to have the belly band pretty tight in order for it to not move around or ride up. And in that case, I think that it would just be really uncomfortable to use when running. And also, depending on what clothes you're wearing, running clothes, they're usually a little bit thinner, so it's really easy to print. I would recommend, I've said this before, fanny packs are definitely making a huge comeback. There's a fanny pack from Elite Survival Systems. My friend, he uses this and he runs every day. It's capable of holding the Glock 42, the Hellcat, the P365. It also includes a spot for your phone as well as two small water bottles. And it doesn't sag at all. I would almost recommend that. Yeah, okay, fanny packs, they're not the best looking, but you know, it's one of those things when you're working out, you're typically alone anyways, and you're not around a ton of people. I also would recommend the Flashbang holster. So it's a bra type holster. They do have them for sports bras. So if you buy the one that has the longer strap, you can fit it in a sports bra. And in my opinion, I think that that would probably work the best because 
the sports bra obviously already has some support where it's not going to be moving around. And as it is, typically women, we tend to put a lot of things in our bras anyways when we lack pockets. Or I remember being younger and going to nightclubs and Maybe I had enough room in my purse to hold my cell phone if I even had a little wristlet, but otherwise I would typically just put a bunch of stuff in my bra. So I would recommend that. And it's female owned and operated, really great people behind it. And that is at flashbangstore.com. I'm assuming you don't carry a gun. I mean, you're in California. (laughs) Yeah, I do not carry a gun, no. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you have anything to add to that. I do know we have friends that uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Zabtech. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Alec is a friend of ours. I actually trained a couple of his dogs, but I know that they have like those like concealed carry things or like now there's like even those like sweatpants that they're coming out with that people like run with like those concealed carry guns. I don't know much about it because obviously I don't carry a gun. So that would be probably the only thing that I can recommend maybe. <laughs> huh. I didn't realize they're coming out with sweatpants. Yeah, I saw him repost something the other day. I was like, what the hell? Are there sweatpants with concealed carry gun things inside of them? Like, I don't, and again, like, I, don't, I don't know much about guns, but I, I carry a knife and I can't imagine <laughs> running with a heavier knife than a gun. Yeah, no kidding. Because you would think sweatpants, that they would even be difficult to keep your pants up. Because obviously a gun has some weight to it. Yeah, and they're like that jogger style too. So I have no clue how that thing works. I just saw him post a link about it. I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Hmm. Is Zeptec, are they based out of California? Yeah, he used to be in L.A. or down south, and then I believe he moved to Seattle. But I'm pretty positive that they're still down there. Or actually, he might have moved it all up to Oregon because we have a mutual friend uh, who does Barrier Tactical, and his name's Kung Lee. And he was talking to me about some other stuff about them going moving it up north because whatever laws are going on. And I know Alec has quite the collection of guns. So. Yeah. <laughs> kind of makes sense, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, check out the sweatpants if you guys haven't done so already. I guess that's what I'm doing after this show. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today's gear is the X-Tech Tactical Speed Mag. X-Tech Tactical recently announced a new magazine for the AR-15 to prevent sore thumbs, which I'm already a fan of. Maybe it also prevents chipping of the nails, nail polish, all that good stuff. Designed and built in the U.S., the Speed Mag uses a polymer construction, like we're familiar with, as a unique follower. So the mag itself has a slot down the center of the mag where part of the follower fits through in order to allow pushing the follower down easily. That piece is joined with a collar that encircles the magazine body so you can grip the collar and pull the follower down to easily load the magazine. It's compatible with all mil-spec AR-15s and fits a standard size round like 5.56, 300 blackout, and so on. The Speed Mag retails for $24.95. Significant testing was performed with different rifle types and to prove durability. Coming from X-Tech, it will definitely be a solid construction as they're well known for making some of the most durable AK mags. They stated themselves, though, the Speed Mag is a bit different from our other magazines and that it is designed for the recreational shooter to spend less time loading, more time shooting. Definitely looks like it would work great for making loading easier, especially if you forget your speed loader. But this is definitely a mag you wouldn't want to be dropping in the dirt as any debris or dirt that gets in through that slot or between the magazine body and the collar could cause, obviously, failure to feed. It's definitely a mag used on the range and not so much for duty use. Polymer 80. If you're looking for AR mags right now, you should check out Palmer 80's Venom Mag. They have 30 round 5.56 ones in stock right now. They're in black. The Venom Mag is made with a heavy duty polymer and has an innovative floor plate designed so that you can easily disassemble and clean it. They are available right now for $18, but don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY. That gets you 15% off, and that is at Palmer80.com. Stupid, funny, cool. Interesting. Awesome. As f- Never mind. AF.
I don't know if you've been following the news, but lately I just saw headlines where it said Pope Francis likes a bikini model's photo on Instagram. Oh, you devil. No. A bikini model named Natalia Garibodo, don't know if I'm saying that name right, claimed last week that the verified Instagram account of Pope Francis liked a risque photo of her. The Pope's account was spotted among 133,000 that liked an image of her standing at a school locker in a barely there school outfit. Brazilian model joked with Barstool Sports saying that my mom may hate those pics, but the Pope be double tapping. He double tapped on that pic. The like is no longer there and is not clear if Francis controls his own account, but news of the apparent scrolling sparked a slew of reactions and jokes. One person said, just appreciating the Lord's work. And another said, it just means that your behind is divine. So everyone's got jokes about it. The Vatican has started an investigation and asked Instagram to tell them when the unofficial endorsement of the model's bare bottom photo occurred because the Pope's various social media accounts are run by a team and whoever was on duty could be the sinful culprit. Instagram has not yet responded and it's not sure if they are going to help with the investigation. The Pope's account has about 7.4 million followers, doesn't follow any other users, so whoever liked the photo would have had to actively seek out the model's page. Who knows what the real story is, but one thing is clear, <laughs> someone definitely needs to go to confession. But it's kind of funny. The Pope, probably one of the most holiest men, and they like some half-naked woman's picture. <laughs> Either way, maybe we'll give the Pope the benefit of the doubt. Maybe it was somebody who runs his account. Maybe it was a glitch with Instagram. I know that there has been actually some weird things popping up. There's a lot of times where suddenly I'm following an account and then I don't follow it anymore. And somebody's like, oh, thanks for unfollowing me. And I'm like, uh, I didn't unfollow you. I don't know. It's just so weird. Social media can be weird. But again, it's just one of those things where I swear social media just makes our lives so much more difficult and it's really difficult to be sneaky. So if he is indeed looking at half-naked women, he needs to be a little bit more clever about it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, have you watched The uh, Social Dilemma? Uh, I have seen some of it, yeah. On Netflix? I don't know. I'm not religious or anything like that, so I don't... As far as, you know, the Pope thing, I don't... No comment on that besides yeah. most people don't really manage their own accounts in yeah. general. Yeah, yeah. And chances are there's probably some pervy people in his crew. So, so that, that might be there. But I mean, like, that's what it's pretty interesting as far as if you watch Social Dilemma, just watching how, you know, they, they kind of create everyone's own individual perspective on almost the world just through whatever your social media looks like. Mm -hmm. That was like one of the interesting things. And, you know, when it comes from like a, a marketing side, you know, there's all these different marketing agencies that we talk to that will kind of explain the same thing, but in nicer words, like, oh, hey, well, we can put it in front of this many people depending on what their likes are. I'm like, oh, that's creepy. That's yeah. <laughs> I know. There's honestly, there's very little privacy with social media nowadays. It is definitely creepy. It's insane. Aaron, we, you've talked to my fiance and the general manager of Carmel Canine. We were driving one day and I made a joke one day. And I just was like talking about Sizzler. So I don't know where if you guys are at, but like Sizzler doesn't, really exist much yeah. anymore and all of a sudden a sizzler ad popped up on my instagram page oh yeah that like, happens oh. all the time and it's weird well it doesn't really happen as much on my phone because i have everything shut off because i'm like super paranoid but depending on the settings on your phone that has happened and yeah it's like the sizzler i remember going there when i was a kid i don't even know if there's i guess there is location still available but i haven't seen a sizzler in years but it is so weird how that happens or you're talking about something where earlier today I was talking to my friend. I'm like, oh, for Thanksgiving, we need to get matching pajamas because, you know, I'm just cheesy like that. <laughs> and sure enough, I'm looking and there's all these like pajama matching family pajama options on my phone. I don't know. It was so weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's pretty interesting, especially when you start talking to marketing agencies and they're like, well, we can use this to tap into that. I'm like. Well, that sounds really creepy, but <laughs> you're like, well, let's do it. It sounds like it's going to get me a ton of sales. So, all right, where do we sign? <laughs> as long as I'm not hacking everyone's information, like I'm, uh -huh. yeah, it's still kind of funny. <laughs> exactly. 
All right, moving forward, it's time to wrap up. But before we do, iTunes reviews. First review is Ty Merica, titled My Favorite Podcast, Five Stars. Ava is still too young to be president right now, but I'm voting Ava Tacticals 2024. Aw, I'm probably going to strongly consider that. At this point, I feel like I have a pretty good chance, for being honest. Second <laughs> review is Bryce 5 top of the list, five stars every week when the weekend's podcast drop. Gun Funny is always the first that I listen to. Ava's sharpness and openness and the wide variety of unique and truly interesting guests make this an incredibly informative show. More often than not, I spend too much time looking at the guest media to learn more and Operator Tickles keeps it fresh. All right, time to wrap up. So guys, uh, just a reminder, I do have calendars available on the website gunfunny.com. Two different calendars. There is the professional one, and then there is the quote-unquote gun bunny one, which is kind of funny. And if you guys order that, it's going to be a little bit of a surprise. You could also find links to social media, YouTube, where the show is, all of that good stuff at gunfunny.com. If you enjoy the show and you want to support it, you should consider becoming a patron. You can do so just by going again to gunfunny.com and click on the link that says support the show. You could even make a one-time donation or you could become a Patreon, which will give you access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. We're actually doing a secret Santa now in there. And if you guys want to join in on that, I will extend it for another week. So just let me know. Also, Blown Deadline, who does amazing Cerakote work, he gives a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon each month. Also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Elliot and Mike Pappas, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Star Wars 77, Ralph Anthony, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. He wants me to say, once when Operator Tickles was swimming, a large fish tried to eat her. Operator Tickles responded by drowning the fish. And that's my dog, by the way. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, she did receive a decent amount of training, I guess, but it definitely wasn't at PetSmart. Uh, anyways, can you just remind listeners once again where they can find you online? So you can find us at uh, primalcanine.com. And that's primal spelled out in the canine as well. And then Instagram at Primal Canine and then Facebook backslash Primal Canine as well. So uh, you can check us out everywhere there. We're fairly active. And yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you. All right. On that note, we are out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.